0: Welcome to the Wise Crone Cottage Podcast with storyteller Kathy Shempock. Here we'll meet the crone and uncover her wisdom as found in fairy tales, folk tales, and myths. For it is true that stories, as it is with many people, become better as they grow older. Know that no matter how difficult your journey has been through the magical forest, the wise crone always opens her door to you.
1: In this episode, I'll be reading the Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm story, The Goose Girl at the Well. We'll also explore the character of the crone. Is the crone a witch, or is she something more?
0: A great while ago, when the world was full of wonders... I've been pondering the
1: stories of the old witch since I recently completed a class at Carter Hogg School of Folklore and the Fantastic on Seeking the Witch. As an aside, I would recommend anyone who is really interested in folktales and fairy tales to check out this wonderful school. As we explored the qualities of the witch in folk tales and literature, I began to note how often the crone presents herself as a witch in stories. We see the witchy crone in the character of Baba Yaga, and also in Snow White's Wicked Stepmother when she disguises herself as a hag. So who or what is a witch, and how might she compare with the character and qualities of the crone? the answer most certainly changes throughout time. In the long-ago past, characters such as Ceredwyn, in the Welsh story The Birth of Taliesin, might be seen as a goddess or as a sorceress, but certainly not as a witch. The witch stereotype as we know it probably did not congeal until the 15th century, when witchcraft became associated with magic and flying. Prior to that time, these characters were something seen as remnants of pagan goddesses. The crone is a character most commonly found in folk tales and fairy tales. She presents herself as an old woman. In some of these tales, she is magical and may be disagreeable or even dangerous. Sometimes she appears frightening. Suddenly, the door opened and a woman as old as the hills and leaning on a crutch came creeping out. Hansel and Gretel were so frightened that they dropped what they were holding in their hands. Frau Hola was also frightening to behold, and appeared mysterious, if not dangerous, throughout the story. So perhaps the crone's hideous appearance is seen as a warning in these tales— All young, innocent protagonists are put on notice when she comes to the door. Whatever happens in the story from this point onward will certainly test their worth. But is the crone really a monster? In many of these tales, the true monster is the one who is without honor, someone who is mean, selfish, or lazy. The monster is often not the hideous witch or crone. The monster is the one who lacks a heart. Yet there are most certainly monstrous witches. The witch in Hansel and Gretel kills and eats children, and the wicked stepmother demands Snow White's heart. So is the crone just a synonym for a witch? I searched through a handful of Grimm's fairy tales, hoping for an answer. I'm going to read one of these stories to you. In this episode.
0: But now a story. Not in my time, not in your time, but in the wise crones time.
1: The Goose Girl at the Well, recorded by Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm. From The Household Tales, translated by Margaret Hunt into English in 1884. You can find this version at the com website. There was once upon a time a very old woman who lived with her flock of geese in a waste place among the mountains, and there had a little house. The waste was surrounded by a large forest, and every morning the old woman took her crutch and hobbled into it. There, however, the dame was quite active, more so than anyone would have thought, considering her age, and collected grass for her geese, picked all the wild fruit she could reach, and carried everything home on her back. Anyone would have thought that the heavy load would have weighed her to the ground, but she always brought it safely home. If anyone met her, she greeted him quite courteously. Good day, dear countrymen. It is a fine day. Ah, you wonder that I should drag grass about, but everyone must take his burden on his back. Nevertheless, people did not like to meet her if they could help it, and took by preference a roundabout way, and when the father with his boys passed her, he whispered to them, Beware the old woman. She has claws beneath her gloves. She is a witch. One morning, a handsome young man was going through the forest. The sun shone bright, the birds sang, a cool breeze crept through the leaves, and he was full of joy and gladness. He had as yet met no one, when he suddenly perceived the old witch kneeling on the ground, cutting grass with a sickle, she had already thrust a whole load into her cloth and near it stood two baskets which were filled with wild apples and pears but good little mother said he how canst thou carry all that away i must carry it dear sir she said rich folks children have no need to do such things But with the peasant folk, the saying goes, don't look behind you. You will only see how crooked your back is. "'Will you help me?' she said, as he remained standing by her. "'You still have a straight back and young legs. It would be a trifle to you. Besides, my house is not so far from here. It stands there on the heath behind the hill.' "'How soon you would bound up thither!' Young man took compassion on the old woman. "'My father is certainly no peasant,' replied he. "'But a rich count. Nevertheless, that you may see that it is not only peasants who can carry things, I will take your bundle.' "'If you will try it,' said she. "'I shall be very glad. You will certainly have to walk for an hour.' "'But what will that signify to you? "'Only you must carry the apples and pears as well.' "'It now seemed to the young man just a little serious "'when he heard of an hour's walk, "'but the old woman would not let him off, "'packed the bundle on his back "'and hung two baskets on his arm. "'See, it's quite light,' said she. "'No, it is not light,' answered the Count, "'and pulled a rueful face.' "'Verily, the bundle weighs as heavily as if it were full of cobblestones, "'and the apples and pears are as heavy as lead. "'I can scarcely breathe.' "'He had a mind to put everything down again, "'but the old woman would not allow it. "'Just a look,' she said mockingly. "'The young gentleman will not carry what I and old woman have so often dragged along. "'You are ready with fine words, but when it comes to be earnest,' You want to take to your heels. Why are you standing laudering there? She continued. Step out. No one will take the bundle off again. As long as he walked on the level ground, it was still bearable. But when they came to the hill and had to climb, the stones rolled down under his feet as if they were alive. It was beyond his strength. The drops of perspiration stood on his forehead and ran hot and cold down his back. Dame, said he. I can go no further. I want to rest a little. Not here, answered the old woman. When we have arrived at our journey's end, you can rest, but now you must go forward. Who knows what good it may do you? O woman, thou art becoming shameless, said the Count, and tried to throw off the bundle, but he labored in vain. It stuck as fast to his back as if it grew there. He turned and twisted, but he could not get rid of it the old woman laughed at this and sprang about quite delighted on her crutch don't get angry dear sir said she you are growing as red in the face as a turkey cock carry your bundle patiently and i will give you a good present when we get home what could he do he was obliged to submit to his fate and crawl along patiently behind the old woman she seemed to grow more and more nimble and his burden still heavier All at once she made a spring, jumped on to the bundle, and seated herself on top of it, and however withered she might be, she was yet heavier than the stoutest country lass. The youth's knees trembled, and when he did not go on, the old woman hit him about the legs with a switch and with stinging nettles. Groaning continuously, he climbed the mountain and at length reached the old woman's house when he was just about to drop. When the geese perceived the old woman, they flapped their wings, stretched out their necks, ran to meet her, cackling all the while. Behind the flock walked stick in hand an old wench, strong and big, but ugly as night. "'Good mother,' said she to the old woman, "'has anything happened to you? You have stayed away so long.' "'By no means, my dear daughter,' answered she." I have met with nothing bad, but on the contrary, with this kind gentleman who carried my burden for me, only think he took me on his back when I was tired. The way, too, has not seemed long to us. We have been merry and have been cracking jokes with each other all the time. At last the old woman slid down, took the bundle off the young man's back, and the baskets from his arm looked at him quite kindly and said, Now... Now, seat yourself on the bench before the door and rest. You have fairly earned your wages, and they shall not be wanting. Then she said to the goose girl Go into the house, my dear daughter. It is not becoming for thee to be alone with a young gentleman. One must not pour oil on to the fire, he might fall in love with thee. The count knew not whether to laugh or to cry. Ah, such a sweetheart as that, thought he could not touch my heart, even if she were thirty years younger. In the meantime, the old woman stroked and fondled her geese as if they were children, and then went into a house with her daughter. The youth lay down on the bench under a wild apple tree. The air was warm and mild. On all sides stretched a green meadow, which was set with cowslips while time and a thousand other flowers through the midst of it rippled a clear brook on which the sun sparkled and the white geese went walking backwards and forwards or paddled in the water it is quite delightful here said he but i am so tired that i cannot keep my eyes open and i will sleep a little if only a gust of wind does not come and blow my legs off my body for they are as rotten as tinder When he had slept a little while, the old woman came and shook him till he woke. "'Sit up,' said she. "'Thou canst not stay here. I have certainly treated thee heartily. Still it has not cost thee that life. Of money and land thou hast no need. Here is something else for thee.' Thereupon she thrust a little book into his hands, which was cut out of a single emerald. "'Take great care of it,' said she. "'It will bring thee good fortune.' The "'Count sprang up, and as he felt that he was quite fresh "'and had recovered his vigor, "'he thanked the old woman for her present, "'set off without even once looking back "'at the beautiful daughter. "'When he was already some way off, "'he still heard in the distance "'the noisy cry of the geese. "'For three days the Count had to wander in the wilderness "'before he could find his way out. "'Then he reached a large town,' And as no one knew him, he was led into the royal palace, where the king and queen were sitting on their throne. The count fell on one knee, drew the emerald book out of his pocket, and laid it at the queen's feet. She bade him rise and hand him the little book. Hardly, however, had she opened it and looked therein than she fell as if dead to the ground. The count was seized by the king's servants and was being led to prison when the queen opened her eyes and ordered them to release him, and every one was to go out, as she wished to speak with him in private. When the queen was alone, she began to weep bitterly and said, Of what use to me are the splendors and honors with which I am surrounded. Every morning I awake in pain and sorrow. I had three daughters, the youngest of whom was so beautiful that the whole world looked on her as a wonder." She was white as snow, as rosy as apple blossom. Her hair was radiant as sunbeams. When she cried, not tears fell from her eyes, but pearls and jewels only. When she was fifteen years old, the king summoned all three sisters to come before his throne. You should have seen how all the people gazed when the youngest entered. It was as if the sun was rising. Then the king spoke, My daughters, I know not when my last day may arrive. I will today decide what each of you shall receive at my death. You all love me, but the one of you who loves me best shall bear, shall fare the best. Each of them said she loved him best. Can you not express to me, said the king, how much you do love me, and thus I shall see what you mean? The eldest spoke. I love my father as dearly as the sweetest sugar. The second. I love my father as dearly as the prettiest dress but the youngest was silent, and the father said, "'And and thou, my dearest child, how much dost thou love me? I do not know, and can compare my love with nothing,' she said, but her father insisted that she should name something, so she said at last, "'The best food does not please me without salt, therefore I love my father like salt.'" When the king heard that, he fell into a passion and said, If thou loves me like salt, thy love shall also be repaid with salt. Then he divided the kingdom between the two elder, but caused a sack of salt to be bound on the back of the youngest, and two servants had to lead her forth into the wild forest. We all begged and prayed for her, said the queen. But the king's anger was not to be appeased. How she cried when she had to leave us the whole road was strewn with pearls which flowed from her eyes, and the king soon afterward repented of his great severity and had the whole forest searched for the poor child. No one could find her. When I think that the wild beast have devoured her, I know not how to contain myself for sorrow. Many times I console myself with the hope she is alive and may have hidden herself in a cave or found shelter with compassionate people, but picture yourself when I open your little emerald book of pearl lay therein of exactly the same kind that used to fall from my daughter's eyes. And then you can imagine how the sight of it stirred my heart. You must tell me how you came by that pearl. The count told her that he had received it from the old woman in the forest, who had appeared very strange to him and must be a witch, but he had neither seen nor heard anything of the queen's child. THE KING AND THE QUEEN RESOLVED TO SEEK OUT THE OLD WOMAN. THEY THOUGHT THAT, THERE, WHERE THE PEARL HAD BEEN, THEY WOULD OBTAIN NEWS OF THEIR DAUGHTER. THE OLD WOMAN WAS SITTING IN THAT LONELY PLACE AT HER spinning wheel, SPINNING. IT WAS ALREADY DUSK, AND A LOG WHICH WAS BURNING ON THE HEARTH GAVE A SCANTY LIGHT. ALL AT ONCE THERE WAS A NOISE OUTSIDE. THE GEESE WERE COMING HOME FROM THE PASTURE AND UTTERING THEIR hoarse CRIES. SOON AFTERWARDS THE DAUGHTER ALSO ENTERED. But the old woman scarcely thanked her, and only shook her head a little. The daughter sat down beside her, took her spinning wheel, and twisted the threads as nimbly as a young girl. Thus they both sat for two hours and exchanged never a word. But at last something rustled at the window, and two fiery eyes peered in. It was an old night owl which cried, ooh three times. The old woman looked up a little, and then she said, Now, my little daughter, it's time for thee to go out and do thy work. She rose and went out, and where did she go? Over the meadows ever onward into the valley. At last she came to a well, with three old oak trees standing beside it. Meanwhile, the moon had risen large and round over the mountain. It was so light that one could have found a needle. She removed a skin which covered her face, then bent down to the well and began to wash herself. "'When she had finished, she dipped the skin also in the water "'and then laid it on the meadow "'so that it should bleach in the moonlight and dry again. "'But how the maiden was changed! "'Such a change as that was never seen before!' when the gray mask fell off, her golden hair broke forth like sunbeams and spread about like a mantle over her whole form. Her eyes shone out as brightly as the stars in heaven, and her cheeks bloomed a soft red like apple blossom. But the fair maiden was sad. She sat down and wept bitterly. One tear after another forced itself out of her eyes and rolled through her long hair to the ground. There she sat and would have remained sitting a long time if there had not been a rustling and cracking in the boughs of the neighboring trees. She sprang up like a roe which had been overtaken by the shot of a hunter. Just then the moon was obscured by a dark cloud, and in an instant the maiden had put on the old skin and vanished like a light blown out by the wind. She ran back home trembling like an aspen leaf, The old woman was standing on the threshold, and the girl was about to relate what had befallen her, but the old woman laughed kindly and said, "'I already know all!' She led her into the room and lighted a new log. She did not, however, sit down to the spinning again, but fetched a broom and began to sweep and scour. "'All must be clean and sweet,' she said to the girl. "'But, mother,' said the maiden, "'why do you begin work at so late an hour?' What do you expect? Dost thou know what time it is? Asked the old woman. Not yet midnight, answered the maiden, but already past eleven o'clock. Dost thou not remember? Continued the old woman. That it is three years today since thou camest to me. Thy time is up. We can no longer remain together. The girl was terrified and said, Alas, dear mother, will you cast me off? Where shall I go? I have no friends and no home to which I can go. I have always done as you bade me, and you have always been satisfied with me. Do not send me away. The old woman would not tell the maiden what lay before her. My stay here is over, she said to her. But when I depart, house and parlor must be clean. Therefore do not hinder me in my work. Have no care for thyself. Thou shalt find a roof to shelter thee, and the wages which I will give thee shall also content thee. But tell me what is to happen, the maiden continued to entreat. I tell thee again, do not hinder me in my work, do not say a word more. Go to thy chamber, take the skin off thy face, and put on the silken gown which thou hadst when thou came to me, and then wait in thy chamber until I call thee. But I must once more tell of the king and queen, who had journeyed forth with the count in order to seek out the old woman in the wilderness. The count had strayed from them in the woods by night and had to walk onwards alone. Next day it seemed to him that he was on the right track. He still went forward until darkness came on. Then he climbed a tree intending to pass the night there, for he feared that he might lose his way. When the moon illumined, the surrounding country. He perceived a figure coming down the mountain. She had no stick in her hand, but yet he could see it was the goose-girl, whom he had seen before in the house of the old woman. "'Oho!' cried he. "'There she comes, and if once I get hold of one of the witches, the other shall not escape me!' But how astonished he was, when she went to the well, took off the skin, and washed herself, when her golden hair fell down all about her, and she was more beautiful than any one whom he had ever seen in the whole world, he hardly dared to breathe, but stretched his head as far forward through the leaves as he dared, and stared at her. Either he bent over too far, or whatever the cause might be, the bough suddenly cracked, and that very moment the maiden slipped into the skin, sprang away like a roe, and as the moon was suddenly covered, disappeared from his eyes. Hardly had she disappeared when the count descended from the tree and hastened after her with nimble steps. He had not been gone long. Before he saw in the twilight two figures coming over the meadow, it was the king and queen, who had perceived from a distance the light shining in the old woman's little house, and were going to it. The count told them what wonderful things he had seen by the well, and they did not doubt it, that it had been their lost daughter." They walked onwards, full of joy, and soon came to the little house. The geese were sitting all around, and had thrust their heads under their wings and were sleeping, and not one of them moved. The king and queen looked in the window. The old woman was sitting there, quietly spinning, nodding her little head, and never looking around. The room was perfectly clean, as if the little Miss Men, who carry no dust on their feet, lived there. Their daughter, however, they did not see. They gazed at all this for a long time. At last they took heart and knocked softly at the window. The old woman appeared to have been expecting them. She rose and called out quite kindly, Come in. I know you already. When they had entered the room, the old woman said, You might have spared yourself the long walk if you had not three years ago unjustly driven away your child who was so good and lovable. No harm has come to her For three years she had to tend the geese. With them she has learnt no evil, but has preserved her purity of heart. You, however, have been sufficiently punished by the misery in which you have lived. Then she went to the chamber and called, Come out, my little daughter. Thereupon the door opened, and the princess stepped out in her silken garments with her golden hair and her shining eyes, and it was as if... AN ANGEL FROM HEAVEN HAD ENTERED. SHE WENT UP TO HER FATHER AND MOTHER, FELL ON THEIR NECKS, AND KISSED THEM. THERE WAS NO HELP FOR IT. THEY ALL HAD TO weep FOR JOY. THE YOUNG COUNT STOOD NEARBY, AND WHEN SHE PERCEIVED HIM, SHE BECAME AS RED IN THE FACE AS A MOSS ROSE. SHE, HERSELF, DID NOT KNOW WHY. THE KING SAID, MY DEAR CHILD, I HAVE GIVEN AWAY MY KINGDOM. WHAT SHALL I GIVE THEE? SHE NEEDS NOTHING, SAID THE OLD WOMAN. I give her the tears that she has wept on your account. They are precious pearls, finer than those found in the sea, and worth more than your whole kingdom. And I give her my little house as payment for her services. When the old woman said that, she disappeared from their sight. The walls rattled a little. And when the king and queen looked around, the little house had changed into a splendid palace. A royal table had been spread, and the servants were running hither and thither. This story goes still further, but my grandmother, who related it to me, had partly lost her memory and had forgotten the rest. I shall always believe that the beautiful princess married the count, and that they remained together in the palace, and lived there in all happiness so long as God willed it. Whether the snow-white geese, which were kept near the little hut, were verily young maidens, no one need take offense, whom the old woman had taken under her protection, and whether they now received their human form again, and stayed as handmaidens to the young queen, I do not exactly know, but I suspect it. This much is certain, that the old woman was no witch, as people thought, but a wise woman who meant well, Very likely it was she who, at the prince's birth, gave her the gift of weeping pearls instead of tears. That does not happen nowadays, or else the poor would soon become rich.
0: You may be wondering how I know these old stories, but that is a story for another day. The moral of the story is... So let's
1: go back to my earlier question. Is the crone just a synonym for a witch? Because the tale I just read you is a folktale, there are few descriptors. Those would have been filled in orally by the storytellers. In several stories, the word old woman, witch, or sorceress appears. The word crone itself is not used at all. Nevertheless, that might just be an issue of translation or semantics. The debate of who's a witchy crone becomes a part of the story The Goose Girl at the Well. While the old woman is described as active and pleasant, she is thought to be a witch by those in the village. They tended to avoid her whenever possible. Throughout the tale, much magic occurs at her hands, but still, the narrator hesitates. The story concludes with this disclaimer. This much is certain, that the old woman was no witch, as people thought, but a wise woman who meant well. Perhaps the Grimm brothers are referencing all the tales in which the old woman is seen both as wise and as helpful. That old woman is the crone, an archetypal character identified by many feminist scholars. The bottom line is, if she is old and magical, she was once seen as a witch. Today, however, we have other options. The wise old woman with magical powers who serves in a generative capacity as either guide or helper is more rightly called the crone. Claire Hamilton, in her book, Maiden Mother Crone, describes the crone goddess in this way. In her crone aspect, the goddess finds herself in the darkness, having been defeated by humiliation and death. Yet in this place, she discovers new powers. There are riches here, the hidden secrets of new life. At this time, the goddess becomes the wise woman and prophetess, It is now her role to initiate the hero into these spiritual mysteries. So in these tales, we see her become strong and fearless. She is ready to test the hero for the task of kingship on the battlefield or in the face of death itself. And though she has been much feared and maligned in this role, those who understand her know that after the time of challenge comes rebirth
0: the wise crone knows it's time for you to leave your journey home takes you back through the forest it may at times be difficult but no fear her final words to you are remember to stay on the path do not leave the path no matter what you see or experience and so it was and so it is Thank you for listening. We'll meet again the fourth Sunday of each month. This podcast has been sponsored by Heart Symbol Publishing, where you'll find a wide variety of guided imagery downloads to achieve your goals and enhance your life. This is the storyteller, Kathy
1: Schimpak. This podcast is narrated by Linda Bennett. Music is The Snow Queen by Kevin McLeod at Incompetent.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. License. Stories by the Brother Grimm are in the public domain.